Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You mighty man of valor. And I love the way the Lord, that, that He doesn't see as man sees. He can look at each of our lives. He, he can look at you. And do you know that He's looking in your heart? He's looking at you. And He looks at us and, and, and He sees things that our family don't even see. He's things, he sees things about us that our spouses don't even see or understand. God can see within the heart. He can see within the heart. Today on Truth in Christ, our scripture says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. This was a strange greeting to Gideon. It didn't seem like the Lord was with him, and it didn't seem that he was a mighty man of valor. Gideon might have turned to see if there was another person who the angel of God was speaking to. Apparently, he was a simple man living a very ordinary life. The angel found him doing his daily duties. God will pick whoever He wishes to carry out His plan. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must remember that God may choose us to do the unspeakable. Now let's join Pastor Rob as he continues our study. That the Lord sent a prophet. Notice there's no name of who the prophet is. You would think something so great as this, that the man's name would be there, but the Holy Spirit doesn't seem fit to tell us the prophet's name, and and that's okay. He says that the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel who said to them, notice what he says, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. Again, not his own thoughts, not his own words, but he's there to minister on behalf of God. That's what a prophet does. A prophet is not about what he thinks. He is there as simply as a messenger to say exactly what God has told him to say. So what does he say to them? He says, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you out of the house of bondage. And of course, he's speaking of Egypt. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all who oppressed you. And I drove them out before you and gave you their land. And that's exactly what has happened. Because when they came into the land, they drove out the inhabitants, as many of them as they could. They didn't do the job completely. We know that. But God, allowed, this is what God told them. I, I've, I've allowed you to do all these things. And also, verse 10, I said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But you have not obeyed my voice. You have not obeyed my voice. And boy, that's never a good thing to hear from the Lord when he rebukes us. And he says, you've not obeyed me. You've been rebellion. You've been rebellious. You've, been, you've loved your sin more than you've loved me. Does that ring true to anybody? I know at times it does me. The Lord you know, just reveals things to you. And, and we have a decision to make, right? 
He says, but you have not obeyed my voice. And whenever a prophet came into town, a prophet's job was unusual because sometimes he brought comfort and encouragement, but more often than not, he brought warning and sometimes impending judgment. And we certainly see that if we just uh, back up a couple of chapters, you remember in chapter 2 of Judges, and this is a time when the angel... Uh, the angel rebuked them because they came into the land after their inheritance, uh, but they did not finish the job of rooting out the inhabitants, those Canaanites in the land. Remember what it said there in Judges 2, verses 1 through 3. And let me just read it to you, because it's very similar to what we're seeing here that the, that the prophet tells them. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochim and said, Now, doesn't this sound familiar? I led you from Egypt and brought you to the land. Now notice it says, the angel of the Lord. I brought you out, uh, up from Egypt and brought you into the land of which I swore to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you and you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. You shall tear down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? And I don't know about you, but when I, if I heard that from the Lord, uh, well, we'd probably be no different than the children of Israel. A- initially, it would break our hearts. There'd be a, mo- a time of mourning. But if it's not godly repent, or if it's not godly sorrow, it's just going to pass after our mourning. After we lick our wounds, then we go back to our same old thing. It's like the the dog returning to its vomit again. And isn't that true? You know, God can re- rebuke us. We can be convicted of something. And if we don't turn from it, if we truly don't repent of it, our hearts get sorrowful and we afflict ourselves for a couple of days. And then before you know it, we're back to the same thing again. That's not real repentance. That's just worldly sorrow. And we proved it because we didn't repent. It doesn't mean that we're going to be perfect, but there ought to be repentance in the life of a believer. We should be looking and examining everything. And so as we get into here, let's go on. It says in verse 11 now, It says, now the angel of the Lord, notice again, the angel of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, came and sat under the terebinth tree, which is an Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abbeizrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Now the angel of the Lord, again, you recall the last time we, uh, a couple of times before, uh, probably two Uh, services ago on a Thursday night, we looked at this angel of the Lord, and we won't spend a great deal on this again, but I just want to make you aware of something. Notice in verse 14 of this same chapter, I want you to underline something, because he's speaking here, excuse me, in verse uh, 11. Now look with me up at verse 14. It says, then the Lord turned to him. Notice the Lord turned to him. And it's speaking of the same angel, the angel of the Lord. And it says, then the Lord, the word there is Jehovah. So we know that this angel, whoever this angel is, it is Jehovah God. And so there's only one Jehovah God. So this is the angel of the Lord, none other than Jesus Christ, a pre-incarnate visitation of Christ before his incarnation in, in the womb of Mary, as we know, recorded for us in the Gospels. It's also called a theophany. And you remember, we saw the same thing again in Exodus chapter 3. Remember what it says. Uh, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in that fight, in that flame, that, that, that bush out in the desert, in the backside of the desert, and it was on fire, but it wasn't consumed by the flame. 
And so, and the Lord, and it says, the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And then in verse 4, it says, so when the Lord, when, when Jehovah saw that he turned aside, God called to him from that bush. And what did he say? And what did he say to him? In verse 5, he says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, and Jehovah said. So the angel of the Lord, this is none other than Jesus Christ himself. Going on in verse 11 again, notice what it says. So the angel of the Lord came and came to this place called Oprah. It literally is Oprah in the Hebrew. Uh, it looks like Ophrah. We might be able to pronounce it that way, but it's Oprah, and it means fawn. And this is a place in Manasseh. Remember, the children of Israel were divided up into their tribes in the promised land, in, in the land of Canaan. And so the land of Manasseh, which Gideon was from, uh, this is a specific place. And this is where the angel of the Lord sat next to a specific terebinth tree. I love in the Bible how it gives very specific in, in, um, landmarks. Now, today we can't go and find this terebinth tree because it's long gone. And there's probably other terebinth trees growing in the area, but for that specific one, we don't know because it's been over 2,000, actually going back over 3,000 years, right? Um, and so we don't know where this place is, but it belonged to Joash. This is Gideon's father. He is an Abiezrite, and he is from the tribe of Manasseh as well. And so this is Gideon's father, and it says, While his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in, in order to hide it from the Midianites, because the Midianites were doing what they were doing, they had to uh, thresh their wheat kind of in private and, and away from the Midianites. And that's hard to do if you want to get a lot of it done. So they had to do it in, in short places and small, smaller places, and as a result of that, you're not going to yield as much grain either, right? And so the people are going to be impoverished, and it's just going to take a lot more time. And so we see the hardship that this was for the children of Israel. So verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, notice what the angel says, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. You mighty man of valor. And I love the way the Lord, that, that he doesn't see as man sees. He can look at each of our lives. He, he can look at you. And do you know that He's looking in your heart? He's looking at you. And He looks at us and, and, and He sees things that our family don't even see. He's things, he sees things about us that our spouses don't even see or understand. God can see within the heart. He can see within the heart. You remember when Samuel was told by the Lord to go to Jesse's, home and Jesse had uh, eight sons and one of them was David and he was the youngest and he was out in the field and remember that God spoke to Samuel and says go because I want you to anoint one of his sons and so Samuel being an obedient prophet he does that he goes and the first one he sees is Eliab who was uh, Jesse's first uh, firstborn son the oldest and probably the most handsome who knows but the Lord said to him in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, and this is a verse that if you, I would write this one down, this is a really good verse to really think about, to memorize it even. What did the Lord said to Samuel? He says, do not look at his appearance, because when, when Samuel saw Eliab, Jesse's older, eldest son, he thought, certainly this is the guy. He's beautiful, he's big, he's the firstborn, the right belongs to him. And God told him, he says, do not look at his appearance 
or his physical stature, because I have refused him. I have refused him, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I'm so glad about that, that God looks at the heart. He doesn't look at the outward appearance. See, the world, that's all the world can do. All the world can do is size you up in the natural. All they can do is look at your physical structure before them. They can look at how you dress, the way you hold yourself, the way you speak, how well-groomed or lack thereof you are. And the world can see the gifts that you have, maybe the schooling that you went to. You know, maybe you've been to Harvard or Oxford, you know, and you've been to some of the Ivy League schools like Yale. You know, maybe, you know, and the world looks at that and they're just like, wow, you've been to the Ivy League school, the pearly gates, the, you know, you've been at the ivory tower. What's it like up there? You know, and God says, you know what? I could care less about any of that. I could care less about any of that. The world sees something and all it can do is size up the gifts, the look. What can you do for me? But God looks at the heart. And he sees things that no one else can see. And that's the way he looked at Gideon. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And notice what God, the angel, was saying to him. And the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Now that ought to do something because faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And Gideon is no different than you and I. If God were to speak that same thing to you and I, would we immediately just go, okay, that's it. I'm, I, I've got the, uh, the command of God. He spoke this word and I believe it and I'm going to go out and grab it. You know, uh, Most of us aren't like that. And so before we get too hard on Gideon, we have to take a good look at ourselves and say, would I really do that? Would I appropriate that statement in faith and, and run with it? Or would I um, shrink back um, as, uh, as Gideon did? He shrunk back. But um, Jesus has the ability to see a life unlike any of us. And we should never judge a book by its cover, even though we tend to do this all the time. We look at people, we size them up, and um, how they dress, how they speak. And, you know, there's so many stereotypes in the world, and it's hard for us to, to, to escape those things. But we have to resist it as much as possible because some, some of the poorest people, some of the least educated people on the world have the greatest relationship with God and have the biggest hearts and are the most giving and the most gracious people. And, 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 and yet we can look at them and, and see them of, of no value because what can they do for me? They don't have any money. They don't have any pedigree. They don't have any say in the world. So therefore, I really can't, they can't do anything for me. So what good are they? Right? That, that's, the, that's the mentality of the world. But remember, the Lord can do a great deal with very little. Remember what he did with just a few fishes and a few loaves how he multiply. God can do a lot with very little, and he can certainly do a lot inside of a person who the world just looks at and says, you know what, this person has nothing to offer. So notice in verse 13, Gideon said to him, now notice, oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our father told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up out up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Notice that Gideon didn't quite understand the Lord's dealings with people. His, his theology wasn't quite correct. And perhaps you feel a lot like Gideon. 
And you know that's okay because we're all uh, being uh, formed and shaped into the image of Christ. And, and sanctification, as you know, is a process. It takes time. And God is so patient with you and I. He's so patient. You know, never feel in a hurry to do anything. All the time that God is working, He's investing in you. And He's doing things in the basement of your heart that you can't even fathom. You can't even imagine. And I can attest to that because there were times when, uh, you know, when I was here at the church and Pastor Jeff was here and, and, and I was totally blessed with what I was getting to do and, and the things that I was allowed to do. And, and Pastor Jeff, out of, out of grace, he just basically just, you know, he was able just to study and I would just take care of, of everything else at a, at a certain time anyway. I was just, uh, that, that's kind of my role at that time. And I had no idea at that time that God was preparing me. And it's a wonderful thing to just, unbeknownst to us, He's working. And so, especially in those times when you're going through the trenches, especially those times where you feel like nothing is happening, you know, like when you're going through literally the valley of the shadow of death, it just feels like you're spinning your wheels. You just feel like God is so distant. It's often those times that He's doing the greatest work, and we just have a hard time understanding and acknowledging it during that time because our emotions, we're physical beings, unfortunately. Don't you, don't you sometimes just, you know, we love and we hate our flesh. You know, I love my flesh, otherwise I wouldn't feed it, I wouldn't bathe it, I wouldn't comb the hair, I wouldn't, you know, uh, do all those things. But I hate my flesh at the same time. It's a love-hate relationship. Maybe you have the same uh, feelings about it, about your own flesh. <laughs> but notice that he just, he didn't understand but he also didn't understand that this thing had happened to them nationally because of their sin and rebellion that caused these calamities. You know, that was the answer that uh, Gideon should have known. It's because of their rebellion. That's why all this has happened. I mean, look at his own father. We're going to see here shortly that his father was a Baal worshiper. He had an altar, and the whole town knew about this altar, and they worshiped there too. And so, he, you know, certainly couldn't they understand that they've, they've departed so far from their tradition, from, from what the Bible had told them, from what their, their ancestors, their, their forefathers, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, had they learned nothing from their history? Had they learned nothing? Had they completely forgotten God? They really had. They had left Him by the wayside, and instead they embraced the false idols and the false gods of the nations that they went to possess. But notice in verse 14, Then the Lord, Jehovah, that's literally the name there, this angel of the Lord, then, then Jehovah turned to him and said this, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? Isn't that an awesome thing to consider? Have not I sent you? Go in this your might, and, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Haven't I just said it? Haven't I just said it? You know, God's commandments are God's enablements. We have to remember that. If He's called you to do something, He's given you everything you need, the world will look at what you have and say, uh, you just you don't really measure up. There's no way you can do this with just based on who you are. It's just not going to happen. You need this. You need a lot more money. You need, you need to have the right degree. I mean, you, you don't know anything. And then you don't have this and you don't have that. And they start listing all these things that you don't have. And God says, have I not told you? <laughs> and, and, and I would be probably like Gideon and say, Lord, I'm the least in my father's house. I'm, I'm just small. I'm nothing. Why don't you use somebody else? And the Lord says, no, I'm going to use you because you're the least in your father's house. And why is that? Because I will receive the glory and not you with your fancy Yale degree. 
You know, whatever degree it is, your pedigree, your, your giftings, your, your, your skills and abilities that you've worked hard to, to maintain and to, and, to, um, and to hone those things. God says, I will share my glory with no one. No one. God will share his glory with no one. So in verse 15, so he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel, Gideon says. Indeed, my clan, it's the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my father's house. And I love Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul's response to that command or that, that statement of Gideon's. He says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul knew the secret. He knew that in his weakness, God could do great things in him, that God's uh, strength would be made perfect in Paul's weakness. And we read that in the Philippians 4.13. And he loves, God loves to take the insignificant and the things or individuals that nobody else wants, and he loves to do great things with them. What does it say in 1 Corinthians? We just read this not too long ago, a few weeks ago. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. It says this, For you see, Paul says to the Corinthians, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh... Not many mighty. So 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. You know that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen what? Those who are educated in the Ivy League schools, the, the big law schools. God has chosen those who are beautiful in their own sight. God has chosen those people who are just so gifted, so beautiful that they have to look at themselves in the mirror for at least three hours before they're able to go outside so that they can dim the glory so that people aren't knocked over when they, when they see them. God has chosen those things. Is that what he says? No. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world, the, the off-scouring things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring nothing, to bring to nothing the things that are. And why is this? That no flesh should glory in his presence. He will share his glory with no one. You know, as Gideon is sharing and making the statement that he's just the least in his house, the least of the tribes, uh, I think we, uh, Jeremiah related to this very well when God called him. Remember what he said when God called him? It's in, recorded for us in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 through 7. The, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. And before you were born, I sanctified you. Before you were born. Hmm, that's interesting. The abortion laws today say that they can, they can exterminate a life even after pregnancy. Can you imagine the hypocrisy and the, uh, the danger that those people making those decisions, they are going to face God and He is going, if they don't repent, they are going to face the deepest, darkest spot of hell that anyone has ever seen. I can tell you that right now. Because what does God say? Before you were formed in the womb, I knew you. So even before conception, God had a plan for this man's life. And what about the countless millions of babies that have been aborted in our country? What about it? God knew them before they were even formed in the womb, regardless of how they came about, regardless if it was an act of incest, regardless if it was an act of rape, regardless of what it was, an accident. Right? Nothing is an accident to God. And that life has value and God says to him he says before you were born I sanctified you before you were born I set you apart before you were born I ordained you a prophet to the nations and then, and then notice what Jeremiah said oh Lord God 
Behold, I can't even speak. I'm just a kid. I'm just a youth, Lord. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth, for you shall go and do all. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.